1: The Yoga Sutra, attributed to the sage Patanjali, who we really don't know anything about, was written just over 2000 years ago. I shouldn't say written, actually. Traditionally, it was chanted. And it was chanted primarily among illiterate people. And it's only 195 or 6 sentences. And so, it's really easy to memorize. And it's constructed in the sutra form, which is where in English we get the word suture, which means to tie together. So a sutra is basically the tying together of various practices and ideas um, in the most concise form possible. In fact, syllables are put together where the sentences become as compact as possible. And um, that way, in a short phrase, there can be years of study, because most sentences are pregnant with many, many ideas. The first chapter of the four chapters, the word for a chapter is pada. Have you heard that word before? It also means a foot. So there are four feet. And um, the first chapter is called Samadhi Pada. Samadhi means integration. Which is the collapse of subject-object duality. I imagine that some of you had a taste of this in the meditation practice. Where maybe for a split second... You're not telling a story. And there's just stillness. Yes. Maybe?
2: Just for a split second. But what if you just have a sensation? Is that
1: stillness as well? Who has the sensation?
2: I've, I had a feeling sensation. Oh. If
1: you have the sensation, it's not samadhi. But if there's sensation... sensation? <laughs> there's samadhi. Do okay. you see what I mean? If I'm having a sensation and contemplating this sensation... There's a subject and an object. I'm making the sensation an object. Because if I exist, then there has to be an object. Okay? This is, this, I mean, Descartes was right on. Right? If there is an object thinking, then I am. I exist. If there is no object, I don't exist. But it doesn't mean I'm not here. It just means there's no birth of this story of me. That's samadhi. And you've all experienced this in your life. And interestingly enough, the first chapter is samadhi, which is the eighth limb of yoga. And so the first thing Patanjali says, and let me just describe how this is constructed. The way his logic works is that he will have a sentence Then he'll break the sentence down and describe what he means by all the terms in the sentence. And then he'll offer a practice for how to work with what he said in the first sentence. And the whole text is constructed like this. So in the first sentence, the first word is Atta. Let's say it together. Atta. Atta. Which derives from the first letter, which is... What's the first letter? It's also the first letter of the English alphabet. Is your alphabet start with an A? Mm -hmm. Ah. In Hebrew, too. Aleph. Ah. And actually, as a human being, the first sound that you can make is go way down deep into the gutter of your throat, and the first sound that you can make is
2: Ah.
1: Ah. Let's try it.
2: Uh, uh,
1: uh. Okay, with little breathing, listen. Uh, 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 uh,
2: uh, uh,
1: uh. I'm glad we're recording this, so that when you hear <laughs> the recording later, you'll remember that we really did do this together. <laughs> So in Sanskrit this is not the first letter. It can't be the first letter because it has no breath. Uh-huh. So if you take a and you add breath to it, you add prana, then you get ah. A. Let's say it. A. 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 So this is the beginning of everything. In terms of human form. Ah. In fact, we talked the other day about the importance, physiologically, of when you understand something and you go, ah. Or there's some relief and you say, ah. Or you have a great experience and you go, ah. Yes? So, this is where the word Akta comes from. Akta means beginning. And the way I like to translate Atta is the present moment, now. So most people read this first sentence and they translate it as now is the teaching of yoga. Just like if you were to read Heidegger, at the beginning of his text he'll say now we are going to study time. Mm -hmm. But that's not really what is being said here. Patanjali is saying now, the present moment, is the teaching of yoga. Do you hear the distinction? The present moment is the teaching of yoga. Present moment, yoga. Not present, not yoga. So yoga is the teaching of the present moment. It's not the teaching of Patanjali. It's not the teaching of any of your teachers. It's the actual teaching of present experience. In other words, the present moment is your teacher. Sometimes we need an external symbolic teacher to point that out to us. But the present moment is the teacher, ultimately. No teacher, no system, no religion has a corner on the present moment. Sorry. Nobody owns it. It can't be commodified. You can try and go sell it in workshops in Copenhagen, but you can't. It doesn't belong to any of us, even though it is all of us. But now he's used a big word. He's used the word yoga. Right? Right? So now he has to explain what that means. And all he's said so far, or she, we don't know anything about Patanjali, all she's said so far is that the present moment is yoga. Okay, But now she's going to define that further for us. Yogaha, let's say this together. Yogaha, Yogaha. chitta,
2: vritti,
1: vritti. nirodaha. If we could just do a little bit of grammar for a second. In Sanskrit, if you have a word that ends, you see the little dot under the H there? Mm -hmm. Um, Or in the Sanskrit, in the Devanagari script, you see there's two dots Mm -hmm. at the very end of the script because you're reading from left to right. Mm -hmm. That means there's an extra moment of prana. So instead of saying yoga, that little dot means yogaha. So I end with an a, but then there's an extra aha. Like samastitihi. Yogaha. Nirodaha. And what's even more, actually, before we get there, yogaha and chitta. So try this with your mouth for a second. If I try and say yogaha chitta, try it yoga chitta it doesn't really yoga ha ch it doesn't flow so when you take the extra dot away from under the H because you have a ch sound you put a sh in there so instead of saying yoga ha chitta we say yoga sh chitta because from a to sh is exactly how the prana flows in the mouth. So we say, Yogash Chitta. Yogash Chitta. Do you hear that? Yogaschitta. We're not going to get too deep into the Sanskrit right now. But I'm going to say one more thing about this (laughs) word. Because it's interesting. Which is that if you have at the beginning of a sentence a word that ends in the same way as a word at the end of the sentence, It means they're synonymous. Okay? That means that Yogaha is Nirodaha. It's kind of interesting. You can't pull that off in English. (laughs) I don't think... Can you guys pull that off? (laughs) Did that make sense? So Yogaha is equal to Nirodaha. They both end in the uh Uh aha. Makes them synonymous. (coughs)
0: It's
1: kind of neat. (laughs) Yogaha nirodaha. Okay, so nirrodaha means to release. Roda means to cover over. So it's the uncovering of something or the release of something. and what is it the release of well that's what's packed in the middle of the sentence it's the release of the chitta vritti for now let's say chitta is the mind okay or the superficial aspect of the mind and vritti means a revolution so chitta vritti is the revolution of the mind the way I like to translate it is either as elaboration or imagination. So a vritti is the elaborative tendency of the mind. And so nirodha is the release of our attachment to the elaborative nature of the mind. Is this making sense? This is really important, this subtle distinction. Because most of the time, nirodaha is translated as cessation. Do you see what I mean? If you say yoga is the cessation of the mind, then you get the idea that in meditation practice you should stop your mind. And that's a misunderstanding. It's not the stopping of the mind, because you can't stop your mind. It's the it's the loosening of the way that you contract around the fluctuations of the mind. You let them be. Do
0: you say it's not infinite? I have also have it's to empty your mind. To
1: empty your mind. Yeah. That may be a byproduct of the practice, mm. but you cannot keep your mind empty mm. because that's the function of the mind mm. is to think. Mm. And we treat the mind as sacred. A
0: lifting, lifting. Yeah. yeah.
1: Do you have any other translations of the Yoga Sutra here? Yeah. Let's see what they say. Ah, such a tamanda. With all due respect. The restraint of the modifications of the mind stuff is yoga. The restraint of the modifications, so that's Riti, of the mind stuff is yoga. But again, I think that can set up poor technique. This idea that we're trying to restrain the modifications of the mind. You're not trying to restrain them, you're not trying to do anything with them, you're trying to leave them alone. We're not trying to get rid of the citta vritti. We're trying to leave it alone for once. Does this make sense?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, in the exercise where we say um, leave the breath alone, is it possible to leave the breath alone? Yes, yes it's possible, but what do you tend to do with the breath? Control it. Control it, right? It's hard to let it be. But when you can start to leave the breath to come and go, You're learning a very valuable skill there, which is to let something be. Even the breath. And then when you can let the breath be, then you can let sound also be. Then you can let thoughts just exist. Let sensations just exist. Are we clear about this? Any questions so far? I don't want you to just... Um, take in what I'm saying, as what this is about. The Yoga Sutras is, is a dialogue. Mm-hmm. It's for you to take, chew on a little bit, hand back, struggle with, practice. Don't. It's not like a, a new philosophy. If you're taking this and suddenly it's going to be your new philosophy, you really missed the point. Okay. So, as we're going through this, check in with your experience and see if this connects with what's happening in your practice. And I hope right away it will become obvious that when Patanjali is talking about practice, he's talking about all the eight months. Any questions so far? Comments? Concerns?
2: Yeah, I, I don't
0: yep. think I understand what's on this paper. Understood what you said that we should just leave the breathing, the mind, and so yeah. forth. But here it says, Yoga is, is to still the patterning. Oh, okay, maybe.
1: What we're saying here is that yoga is yeah. when the patterning of consciousness mm-hmm. settles down. Yeah. And then there's a sense of yoga, mm-hmm. which was defined in the first sentence as the present moment.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: Can you compare this to in psychology when we're talking about developing and observing people and stepping out of the story?
1: Yes, except you're not developing anything. You see, you're not. You know, often this is called in psychology the observing self. But what's observing? Has no substantiality. You see? So, another way you might say what you just said is observing the observing self until there's no observer. In other words, you're actually, there is just awareness. But it has no thingness. Yeah. We want to take awareness and reify it, thingify it, make it into something. We want to call it God, or self, or spirit, or the soul. And Patanjali is not doing any of that. He's not giving it a name. And later on he'll talk about why. We want to give that a name. When you get still in meditation practice after you're done you want to say that's jesus that's jesus consciousness that's the buddha that's krishna that's the soul that's god right that's a direct experience with god and patanjali is saying no 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 he says neti 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 you heard this word neti neti from the Upanishads, Eti means this or that and na means no. It sounds like naughty nati nati nati. <laughs> neti neti. It's not this, it's not that. But isn't it the
0: present moment?
1: Neti neti neti. <laughs> as soon as you say the present moment what what's that? You've created an object. And then there's me.
0: yeah I don't know but because the way I see it is that the present moment is there all the time I mean we're always in the present moment right. but normally we are thinking about something or doing something so we're not realizing that it's yes,
1: yes absolutely but
0: but in the meditation if there is no thought if there is like not if there is just this awareness of of you know sensation or something then it's the present moment
1: Yes, but when you're in meditation practice, you're not saying this is the present moment. If you say this is the present moment, you're out of it. Now, afterwards, you say, oh, that's the present moment. Yeah, yeah, that's but now I mean. that's one step o- outside of it.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> so true. But you said we can't say that it was, you know, Buddha consciousness or something, but can't we say that it was the present moment?
1: Patanjali, and we're jumping ahead a little bit but he's very weary of you putting a name on that experience. We'll talk soon about why. Are we together on this, or have I lost you? Can I maybe just add one other point here? It's it's a bit of a tangent, but I think it's kind of interesting. Traditionally, yoga refers to non-duality. There's no subject and object. And it's trying to articulate, which is very hard to do, because you have to use concepts to point at something that's not conceptual, right? We're using language, but we're pointing at something that's not caught up in language. And so there are three major non-dual traditions. Yoga, Buddhism, when it's done well, and Taoism. And those three major systems are very different than the Abrahamic religions. So, the major difference is that there is no theory of a God. There's no theory of a God that's created the universe or taking it away or supporting experience. And part of the reason for that lack of language about God is that if I say there's God, then suddenly there's me in relationship to God, you see? Or if I even say, I am God, then suddenly there's a, an I somewhere and a God, whether it's outside me or inside me. It sets up a language that for the non-dualists is dualistic. I teach every year at this conference where there's interfaith dialogue. Different traditions come together and talk about their practices and so on. And the first few days are so boring. Because everybody talks about how everything we're doing is all the same. You know, <laughs> We're all here to c- cultivate compassion and all these religions are talking about the same thing in different language. And it's like you just get sleepy after a while. Because there's nothing interesting about that. I mean, if you like... Chet Baker because you like the trumpet if you really appreciate the trumpet what's interesting about the trumpet playing in jazz is not that Chet Baker and Miles Davis both play trumpet it's that Chet Baker and Miles Davis are so different and when you hear Chet Baker you know that that's not Miles Davis and the appreciation of that difference wakes you up to the trumpet you see so When somebody in these kinds of conferences finally says something like, well, maybe the Abrahamic traditions are not actually talking about the same thing as yoga, then it gets exciting, because then we can actually start to have conversations, because we're appreciating the difference. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like you go to see Japanese dance and you say, I've seen one Bhutto performance, I don't need to see another one. You've seen one, you've seen them all. It doesn't make any sense. I've done one yoga posture, I've seen them all. (laughs) Wouldn't it be nice to be able to say that? No. But the mind doesn't like that, because we actually want one. We don't want to tolerate the complexity of difference. So we say, well, actually, no, there's just one truth. And the Christian way is the only way. Yeah. And those, you know, yogists, they don't know what they're doing. Or this school here, yoga mudra, I mean, this is practice. This is deep practice. This is the real practice. And those guys who just opened up the yoga center on the other side of the harbor... Like that's not really practice. What they're doing is kind of superficial. Yeah. And then, of course, there's some other yoga studio that's saying about this yoga studio. You know, it's not traditional enough, and so they're not really practicing. <laughs> you know, they're questioning things. <laughs> that's not practice. There was another hand up. was your hand up.
2: Mm-hmm. Was, and then it I think that I was
0: the moment. Something that always keeps returning when we talk about leaving things alone, and then at the same time having a technique or a right effort to try to tune into being able to leave things alone. Yes. For example, when we practice, and we we're taught ujjayi Kanyama mm-hmm. and in the beginning we pay a lot of attention to keep it going and have it be the thread throughout the practice.
2: Yeah.
0: But then sometimes we start we start getting glimpses of oh I didn't pay attention, it was just moving, the breath was just sort of there. Mm-hmm. And then we can leave it be and not pay attention. Yes. But in the beginning we do focus yes. on um, extending the inflammation and whatnot. Yeah. So there is a Yeah. I mean, we're not just leaving everything B exactly. but the how find that balance yeah. okay, so,
1: so. I mean it's like did you ride your bike here who rode their bike here today where is it right now mm-hmm. it's down there you didn't bring it here with you and the technique is like that too use the technique and it helps you travel back in to reality again but then once you're there you don't need it anymore you know You travel here on your bicycle, but you don't bring it up and take it with you through Downward Dog and (laughs) carry it into the bathroom and then, (laughs) yeah, you go home after this and you go take a shower, but you don't take your bicycle in with you. Maybe some of you do and sleep with it in loneliness or something. (laughs) Some kind of alternative brahmacharya. But actually, (laughs) the technique, it's just a vehicle. And at the beginning, we really need that vehicle. We need that vehicle. But there's different levels of a vehicle. This, This room is a vehicle. This room contains this practice. I mean, how many of you practice here on a regular basis? How many times have you practiced Downward Dog in this room? Amazing. Like, this room carries a lot of Mental and physical states that you've been through. I mean, how much have you been through in this room? Probably a lot. So you treat it as a sacred space. It's a vehicle. And the technique that we're working with, that's also a vehicle. But then there's a point where the vehicle's going to get you where you need to go, and you don't need it anymore. When you're deep into practice here, you're not even aware anymore that there's a room. Okay. Right? Does that answer what you were saying, Esther?
2: I
0: think so. Mm-hmm. When we talk about um, yoga, yep. then applying technique yeah. would also be yoga. Sure. Aiming at stilling or releasing. Yeah. Yep. But yoga is everything, so it's yep. so complicated, uh, I it.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Actually, can I just say one more thing about Nirodha? <laughs> we're going fast, actually. Normally, we would just spend a month on the first sentence, but we're going to jump ahead through the second sentence. Roda. The word Roda in English. Um, the word Roda is where we get the word radish, or radical, or root. Something that's radical. The word radical means to get to the bottom of something, to get to the root of something. A radish is a root, and that's where we get the word roda, or sorry, that's where we get the word radical from the word roda. Roda means the root. So nirrodaha means to get to the roots of something. So when we get below, beyond the below the superficiality of the modifications of thought, there's a deep stillness there that is the root of things that is called yoga. Okay? Any questions about that? That's as far as we're going to go today. I think it's a good time to have a break. Let's have a break for 10 minutes. And then when we come back, we'll... Who knows what we're going to do after. We'll decide when we come back. So 10 minutes, go have a cigarette. <laughs> and uh, we we'll be ready to go.